0: We're gonna get right to it. This month we have got Greg and Lori Edgecomb, which we are so honored to have them. Woo woo woo! Come they on. They have just celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary, and we had the privilege of having them at uh, when we were married under 40 this summer, and we were blown away with the gift of their marriage and their 40 years and what they have to share with us. So we want to welcome them up. Thank you for being here.
1: Hello, everyone.
2: All righty. So my voice carries, as you can see. I'll try and not blow you out back there. But we want to be sure that everybody hears.
1: And mine's a little bit on the quieter side. Opposites attract.
2: <laughs> so we had a little joke going. We were, we, as, um, as they shared that we were here, uh, what's it been? Uh, has it been two months ago now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was still married under 40. And I said, uh, oh, my gosh, we got in just in the nick of time because it was the next week that we were going to have our 40th anniversary. And I thought, well, we're married under 40 years at the time, so... Uh, <laughs> So then they changed it up so we could all get in here.
1: Yeah, we squeaked in.
2: <laughs> so awesome. It's, I mean, look, it's awesome to see so many different years of marriage represented in here. And I think the, the idea is to go ahead and, and get us mingling with, with different generations uh, and, and talking about marriage and, and seeing how marriage uh, can be done, should be done, Shouldn't be done. Uh, I always like to say, let's, let's see what works, what doesn't, and and why. So so we're going to go ahead and get started here. Now, we have a few topics that we're going to cover today. I don't know if we're going to be able to get, uh, get through all of them, but we're always more than welcome to, to come on back. So let's, let us tell you a little bit about us. Uh, my name's Greg, and this is my awesome wife, Lori. Um, we met in high school. And um, we dated on and off for about four years. Uh, And when we graduated from high school, Lori went out to Colorado to work. Uh, She came back. I went to Colorado. I went to California. Uh, But we always kept in touch through the snail mail. (laughs) So one letter would go out. And maybe two weeks later you might get a response you think you're, you think you, you get a little upset when people don't text you back within a minute uh, nowadays but uh so that's that was when uh you know you, you're like, "Oh, should I write this down in this letter, or did she already respond to it, and it's coming back two weeks later <laughs> so we uh we went to the same church uh in over in Flint, Michigan, we both grew up in that area and um And uh, we went to the same Bible study, uh, and eventually, back in 1981, we decided we were going to go ahead and get married. Best decision we ever made. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we waited about five years before we started having kids, uh, and actually, our our marriage... um, went from Michigan to Phoenix, Arizona. We, we moved down there in 1982, if you're, if you're uh, if, I know some of you folks in here remember the economy went kinda bad back then, and uh, we went down there simply for employment. And uh, I started working in the construction industry, but I made a, made a big, big change uh, where I ended up getting into law enforcement. I worked in law enforcement for 32 years, uh, eight years in Phoenix, Arizona, and then came up here to Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, where I worked uh, another 25 years uh, for the Grand Rapids Police Department. Uh hi. Thank you. I spent 20 of my years in Grand Rapids working uh, what they call crash, uh, crash reconstruction. So when there were uh, serious injury, fatal crashes, I was usually involved in, in, uh, in picking up the pieces and figuring out what happened in that crash. Uh, so I say I worked 32 years in law enforcement. We worked 32 years in law enforcement sure. because, yeah, some of that stuff does come home uh, because when you deal with those type of situations, it's kind of hard to, to, uh, to carry that load on your own, even though all of my career I tried always to, 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 to give all of that to the Lord and have him carry the load and just be a vessel that he used. Mm-hmm. Lori worked at Jenison Schools. Yep.
1: I worked for Jenison Schools. Um doing a variety of things. I was a lunchroom lady for a little while, um, which was great. And um, then I taught reading, which I enjoyed as well, to the little ones. And then retired in the technology department, uh, computers and such. So uh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So what we're going to do is we're going we're to kind of go over a couple of things uh, that we talked about uh, two months ago. Uh, because uh, it was it was put out, uh, I think on Facebook certain topics that we were going to cover, and we know that some people may have come just to hear certain topics. So we're going to work through those, and uh, and we're going to throw in some new uh, some new areas uh, to talk about as well. So the first thing we want to talk about is finances in marriage. And hey, this can be a big deal, right? Um, you know, they say they say one of two things is usually the issue with uh, with divorces. One of them is communication. I guess you could throw sexual issues in there as well, but also finances. Finances is responsible for about fifty percent of all marriages uh, going belly up, um, to, to put it nicely. So. Um, Back in, we just kind of did whatever we did. We didn't really learn a lot about finances from either of our parents, so we did what we saw them do. We did what we saw our friends do, uh, which meant that um, we pretty much did whatever we wanted when we wanted and um, and paid for it later. So um, we heard that Dave Ramsey was coming here to church, and we said, uh, I said, there's no way that he's coming here to this church. And Lori said, well, yeah, I think he is. And so uh, we could not scrape together $25 uh, to go see him when he came to the arena downtown. But when we heard he was coming to the church here, we said, we don't care what it takes, but we're going to get this $99 or whatever it was somewhere around that together and take this class. So uh, we came in and and turned a a financial situation that we had created on our own uh, completely around. So we went through the, back then it was a 12-week class in finances, and honestly we did a budget, kind of a makeshift budget at the beginning of the class, and it was a real eye-opener to see that we were, Uh, where we were wasting money. And we found that we were spending sometimes as much as um, $600 a month just eating out. Uh, You could do that real quick nowadays. I went to a restaurant by myself the other day and spent $15, and I was like, whoa, what's going on? Um, So uh, a big thing that we learned in that class uh, was budgeting, uh, to do finances together.
1: Yeah, being a united front in it all, because... Prior to that, I was like trying to make budgets and um, trying to make it work. And he was working so hard. We were both doing a good thing, but we weren't united. And so it just wasn't going to work until we were. So the class really helped brought us bring us together. And truly, it was the best 100 bucks we ever spent. Yeah, so. No doubt.
2: No doubt. So was it easy? No. So we took that class. Um, was 90? 90...
1: Many years ago.
2: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with I, that. <laughs> I want to say it was around 14 years ago now. And up until then, no kidding, uh, I would say that we had maybe three of those times of intense fellowship that you can have in a marriage uh, where maybe voices got raised. Uh, when we took that class in those 12 weeks... We had two more of those just in that 12 weeks. Uh, I don't know that we've had any since then, but uh, I can just, I just say that to say, uh, when you really start becoming disciplined in finances and planning ahead, uh, it's a little challenging because it's a lot of relearning, hab- bad habit, or relearning good habits to replace the bad habits that you had. So the results of that. Uh, were that um, once we got uh, an emergency fund, uh, as Dave Ramsey calls it, a thousand dollars, man, did we feel good about that? Now, don't don't get me wrong. It's not that money was our comfort in any way, but just to know that if something happened, we had just become responsible enough to be able to address it instead of pay for it later on and have that bill follow us the whole, follow us home like all of our travel did and, and whatnot. So it just was a real relief um, to us to have that.
1: Yeah, and we, I don't know that we realized how much stress, stress and pressure that was adding to our relationship to um, not be together and united on the whole money issues. Um, so once we went through the course, it just, it was like a relief And we were on the same page, and we were working together for a common goal. It made such a difference.
2: Sure. And I always thought, I don't want to have anything to do with the B word, budgeting, uh, because it's just a ball and chain. It's going to keep us from doing what we want. We're not going to have any more fun. And what we discovered over time with our changed behaviors was we could do whatever we wanted. It's just that we would plan it ahead it would be paid for before we go and when we got back we weren't thinking about what was going to come in the door in the in the in the in, in in bills and whatnot uh for this trip that we had already enjoyed so as some people would say the the trip didn't follow us home uh, in the mailbox so it felt great but but the, uh, the, really a, yeah we got our finances in order but really the biggest thing that occurred was that boundaries and walls that we didn't even realize were there until we got ourselves upright and 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 walk in a disciplined path with finances then we said wow all of a sudden this was this this irritation was gone and we just felt that walls came crumbling down and uh, and our communication got better and so just in our marriage we saw uh, a huge change in that in our relationship getting closer so All in all, what I want to say is this. This church does a phenomenal job of of setting up workshops uh, for people to go through. Greg Gless um, uh, oversees the Generous Life Ministry uh, here at the church, and uh, one of the programs that they still offer here are the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University um, classes. We enjoyed it so much that we actually became facilitators years ago. We're not we're not doing it right now, but uh, it was just such a joy to help other folks work their way through uh, um, the issues that they had with finances and finding out that just like us, they had more than enough money to go ahead and make ends meet. They just weren't using it correctly. So it's just an awesome program. To go through, and I know that they have other programs here. They also have a one-on-one financial counseling that they offer. That if you were to get a hold of Pastor Greg Glass, they'd be able to put you in contact with somebody. Um, and um, they they just have several different programs along with. If you remember back a couple of, uh, I guess it's been almost two months ago now. Uh, they had the financial, um, oh what was the name? Financial ministry planning. that came in, financial planning ministry that came in. Uh, to help you set up a trust uh, for for your estate. <clears throat> and literally, it didn't cost you anything because the church is has them on retainer to go ahead and do this. I think somewhere in the area of 200 families from this church got involved in that to set up trust uh, so that uh, the, it was a f- smooth transition for the day that they decided to Check on out of here. Uh, it made a smoother transition for their for their families. So that's another thing that's offered here as well. So um, we just want to cover that and just tell you we've been through we've we've been through all of these uh, uh, different uh, I guess offerings or ministries here at the church, and it's done a phenomenal made a phenomenal change uh, in our marriage and in our finances. <clears throat> Lori mentioned one thing about, and you're going to hear us talk about this a little bit uh, in our marriage, that it was something that we really had to come to a a common ground on, really more me than her, was to be a united front. Like she said, she had done budget, she put them together, she read all kinds of books, and, and I was the guy saying budget. I don't really want to be a part of this. It's again. It's just, I just thought it was going to be a constraint, a ball and chain, and I had to get a different mindset. Uh, but when we became a united front, just like so many things in our marriage, in our marriages, when we're on the same page, when we see, when we have a, when we have a, because a budget really is just a plan, a victory plan. It gives us a vision of where we're going, uh, and when we're on the same page pulling side by side, arm in arm, going for these goals, we achieve them. We achieve them. But when we're not, it's kind of one, one buffeting the other.
1: Yeah, it's pulling against each other.
2: Yeah. So, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, again, living as a united front is, is an is a area where the enemy tries to get in and pound wedges in between us, whether it's, uh, Dad, can I do this? What did your mom say? Well, she said no because kids are just that way. That's the flesh, right? It wants to try and try and get its way. Um, well, we can do the same thing in our marriage. Has anybody had that happen where you wanted to try and get your way uh, with something in marriage? Uh, so so important for us to become, to to be a united front, whether it's parenting our children, whether it's in finances, or whatever direction that we're going. Mm-hmm.
1: And. And Greg had added one other thing in our notes is that um, the result creates an environment of security for our kids as well when we have unity in the family. Um, it just creates a peace in the home and a, yeah, a unity. So,
2: so let, 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 let us um, share a little bit also, or, or I shouldn't say also, let, let us kind of switch gears a little bit here. About living out the Word of God in front of our kids um, in our families. So, some of you may say, Well, look at our kids have come and gone, but they're still watching you. I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter how old you get, your kids are still watching you. They're still watching what you say, they're still watching uh, how you react, they're still watching what you do. And um, so, whether you're at an age where you have uh, uh, 5, and 10, 15-year-old and very impressionable kids or whether you have adult children, uh, this pertains uh, all the way around. Because Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And... Um, I don't know. I, we still have children. <laughs> they're, they're all in their 30s, but they're still our children. Uh, do I stop training them up because they're out of high school? No. Uh, you still continue to live out the Word of God right in front of them and, and make it real. Um, you know, I, 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 you always hear stories, and, 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 and maybe, you're, maybe you're one of them sitting in here right now. You come to church, you listen to the Word, and uh, you leave, and there's fights, there's arguments, there's uh, uh, there's not unity in your home, um, and it's all. I'm not am not saying that, it, that the people are trying to have to have a facade uh, to to look good in front of other people, but um, we need to live out the truth. <laughs> Uh, of the Word of God in in our lives,
1: yep, and not just when things are going well, um, in the hard times too, because then they're really looking.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so here's here. Let me get. Let us give you a couple of practical examples of of um, how this how this uh, how we kind of played this out in front of our kids. We told you that we uh, went through Financial Peace University. Up until then. What did our kids watch us do? They watched us do whatever we wanted with no discipline in finances. So what had we done? We had taught our children the wrong way to do finances. So as we were coming through this program and realizing that, I'm realizing that as the head of the household, I allowed this to be seen by our children because this is the way we lived. But this isn't the correct way to live. So we ended up having to tell our kids, hey listen, watch this. Remember all the credit cards that we had before? We're getting rid of all of them. We're paying them off. I want you to watch us do finances from this day forward. So we made everything that we do, we made it real right in front of our children. So what, so what do our kids hear us doing? They hear us actually saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we showed you how to do finances wrong. But wait a second, watch this. We're gonna do them right, and I want you to watch and see the results of it. And I believe all of our children have now been through the FPU program, and and they have very disciplined budgets. So even though you do something wrong in front of your kids, and our kids were 13, 16, 17-ish all those years, when you're serious and when you when you when you're you're remorseful uh, and say, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna," I mean, we're almost repentant. We, we we turned 180 degrees and went in a whole different direction. Your kids are going to see that that's a real thing that's going on in your life. You're living it out right in front of them, and they're going to see the results of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things we determined to do when our kids got married is to put them through the financial peace ministry too. So they could start off their marriage in the right way, because we sure didn't. For years, we weren't doing it the right way financially. So for each of our kids, we um, when, they, when they get married, we send them through the Financial Peace University.
2: So we, we would do also with tithing. Um, you know, listen, we weren't trying to give our blessing away by by uh, by telling everybody in the world about this, but we did show our kids, hey, this is what we're giving. This is why we're giving it. Uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna, we're gonna hold ourselves accountable to the Word of God, and we're gonna tithe. And there's gonna be times when we are gonna give offerings. And when we did, when special projects came to the church, when missionaries came to the church, uh, we would give into those ministries. But we would tell the kids, um, hey, we're giving this amount of money to this ministry. Um, and really, it was just to try to lead by example and, and be real. So it wasn't like we were trying to uh, fool them and sucker them into something. We were just We were just saying, take a look at our life and how we're living it, because the way that you portray yourself, the real you will be seen by your children. It doesn't matter what age they are. Uh, they're going to see it, and they're going to follow it. There's a saying that Pastor Dwayne uh, says every once in a while, and man, the first time he said it, I'm like, i got to write that down. And, and what he said was, your compromise will become your children's norm. So the things that you compromise in will become the norm for your children, and that can, and, and, and that can go in any area uh, of your life. And believe me, you know, you know, whether you have grandkids or whether you have little kids, are they watching and listening? There's so many times when we say, man, I can't believe that they picked up on that. They're watching, and if a 3-, a 4-, a 5-, and a 6-year-old can watch and listen to know what's going on in the adult world, so do your 15-, 20-, and 30-year-old kids. So, um, so, I, so I just encourage you to, uh, to live life real uh, before your kids. Let, let's 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 show you another practical way, and and this and this is something that we've uh, heard that they we they want folks wanted us to share again about that we shared about last time. So our our youngest son Josh uh, was playing in our living room, and he was by the big the big uh, picture window, and I remember just I was doing some work and I looked down at him and I thought, oh his eye looks a little swollen, and I mentioned something to Lori and she she had seen it too at at our part. Now this is. He was three. Yeah. He's 30 now, <laughs> so 27 years ago. Um, and so he'd had some conjunctivitis before, which is the ear-eye-canal thing, in the past. And so she said, well, I'll, I'll take him in and, and see. And um, listen, I'm going to tell you, being totally transparent and honest, we knew nothing about healing. <laughs> Um, we started coming here in 1993, and um, and we we really weren't in this world of hearing hearing the kind of things that that we that we learn uh, at the church here, um, and so um, we took him in and we got a bad report, and they said uh, your son has a kidney uh, issue, and the reason the swelling in the eye is happening is because the kidneys are not. Are just pu- pushing protein right through his body. The body's not absorbing protein. Uh, the kidneys are essentially shutting down. So, um, I don't. I do know. We felt so strongly this was not a physical attack that it was a spiritual attack on us. And I, And even though I. Sh- I say right now, I don't even know how we knew that. I think it was just the Lord putting that on our heart. Um, so we came to the church, we met with Pastor Dwayne for about an hour, explained what, had, what, what we'd heard, what we've learned, and that we just really felt strongly that this was more of a spiritual issue than it was a physical issue with him. And Pastor Dwayne said, I think you're right. And uh, he set us on a course to meet with some folks from the church, uh, and this began a seven-year war, uh, and no joke, it was a seven-year war. Um, we we got a hold of the book Christ our healer I think that pastor Bernie still passes those out like candy around here Uh, fantastic book uh, to learn about um, uh, about God's goodness in our lives about how Christ has borne all of our sickness all of our disease all of our infirmity on the cross and um, and by his stripes we were, we were healed. And man, we were we look at it, folks. We were in the water up to here, and we're now starting to learn how to swim. So I recommend we recommend uh, getting that book uh, and 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 getting yourself ahead of the ball game. Uh, if if this all sounds unfamiliar to you, um, so anyway, we end up taking trip after trip to the University of Michigan Medical Center because because that Medical Center and The Mayo Clinic in Minnesota were the only two places in the United States that had anything to do with dealing with this bad report so we said Joshua David Edgecombe you are healed in the name of Jesus and we never stopped we put his picture up on our refrigerator. Well, actually, let me just go back. So we got the bad report, and we all met in the living room, <laughs> all, of our, all of the kids uh, and Lori and I, and we said, hey, this is, this is what we've learned. Uh, we are going to lay hands on Josh, and we are going to believe for his healing. So what are we doing? We are being very, very real in front of our children and putting our faith out there, I know some people um, have a fear in this, and, and I'm not looking down on anybody who does, and they have a fear of doing something like this because they feel like, well, what if, what if the Lord doesn't do anything and we tell our kids, show our kids the, and teach our kids about the power of God and nothing happens? Um, I say, <laughs> we say we were just all in, and we were, we were going to live it, to its end uh, and believe for these things in our son's healing. And so when we went down every couple of months, we had to go down to the University of Michigan and we said, all right, we're going down. We called
1: it the victory tour.
2: That's right. <laughs> and listen, folks, there were times, well, it's been probably five years ago, Lori put together a collage of pictures of Josh from birth all the way through. No joke, they were sitting out, and I walked by, and I said, who's this person, one of Josh's friends? No, it was our son, and I couldn't even recognize him. He just had swelled so huge from steroids and things. Now, I would recognize him day to day as we walked through it, but as I looked back on all of those pictures, I could not even recognize our own son. So one of the things that we did is we took a picture of th- that Lori had taken of him on the beach at three years old just before this diagnosis, and we put it on the refrigerator. And I would walk by that refrigerator, and so would Lori, and I would say, that's our son. That is our son, and, uh, and he is healed and whole in Jesus' name.
1: Healed and whole. And I wanted to add something about um, a practical part. What we did... They were putting him on all different kinds of medicines that were, uh, you know.
2: Experimental.
1: Experimental. So we always prayed over the medicines before they went down. Um, Another thing, I mean, we laid hands on those medicines, and we would pray over them before he would take them Um, and just knew God was anointing them with good and taking anything out of anything bad out of them, and God was faithful every time, and one of the other things, it's just might sound like a small thing that we did, but we always call them the meds. We never gave them a name, like some people might say, oh, that's Tony's meds, or they might say, that's my meds. We didn't, we just never gave, never gave them a name. It was always we would talk to them, talk about them as the meds. So we didn't want to uh, give them ownership in any way. So,
2: so when we prayed over them, listen, uh, they told us that we had to sign papers. They said there's nothing more we can do for your son, but you could have him take some of these. We don't know what they'll do. We only know that people in that condition have had success in curtailing this. So, interesting, you're thinking, well, gosh, you guys are just going by what the doctors say. No, we were following Pastor Duane's uh, um, admonition uh, to us by the word. He said, We believe that Joshua is healed and whole completely in the name of Jesus. Continue doing what the doctors tell you to do, but he is healed. And so we just followed that admonition. So it came, I said this was a seven-year war. Uh, We just said this. We would get in the elevator at the Tubman Center at the University of Michigan. The door would close, and we would say the same thing every time. We don't believe what we hear with our ears. We don't believe what we see with our eyes. We believe the report of the Lord. And as that elevator was going up, uh, we would just... uh, um, Uh, Thank the Lord for his healing. Listen, I'm telling you, for seven years. And so it would be easy to get discouraged. The doctors, we heard one bad report after another, year after year after year. Part of the way through this, they said, we're sorry to tell you, but now your son is now uh, dependent on steroids for the rest of his life. He will never, ever be off these steroids or his kidneys will fail. Did you hear what we said? We, and, we, and we would just say, we, "We heard what you said. we didn't agree with it, but we, 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 heard, what, we heard what you said, uh, and we just continued to pray. We continued to believe, we would fast, uh, We were just seeking the Lord. We were reading. We were reading uh, Christ our healer. I don't know if I really ever even made it through that book. Uh, no joke. Uh, just read some and cry. Not, not cry in, in, in uh, I'm giving up and I just don't know what to do, just cry at God's goodness and faithfulness despite what we were seeing with our eyes and, um, and uh, in hearing with our ears from these doctors. And we would, we would tell Josh, they're going to tell us what they see because this is how they've been trained. <laughs> but God is good. And uh, at the end of seven years, um, we were down at U of M, and it was always a team of doctors that were probing him. He would had biopsies on his kidneys, which they said, why do you not have your son on a kidney recipient list? These kidneys are shot. He needs a transplant. You need to have him on a list. Uh, seven years later, uh, we're down there, and the team's over there doing their thing, And we're by ourselves in the corner and talking. And one of the doctors says three words This is weird. And Lori and I looked over, and five doctors were staring at us. And I said, What'd you say? He said, This is weird. And I said, What's weird? We can't find anything wrong with your son.
1: Only God can do that.
2: You're not kidding. Yep. And so I looked at them and I said, We call him healed. And only one of those five looked back at us and said, I can go with that. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, seven years is a long time. Sometimes we get a little bit frustrated when God doesn't answer us in a week or a month or a year. But stay the course, stay faithful. He is faithful, He is good. Um, And so we wanted to share that struggle with you, not to say that we're so great, but to say God is an awesome God. Mm -hmm. Stay faithful. doesn't matter what you hear. doesn't matter what you see. The word of the Lord is true.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's go forward. Okay. All right. Uh, We're going to move on to rekindling your love. We had talked about the Dan Seaborn cruise the last time. So we, um, I'll tell you, if you ever get a chance to go on a Dan Seaborn marriage cruise, go for it. It's an amazing time of restoration and marriage and time together, just the two of you.
2: Yeah. So we were sharing uh, earlier with Tim and, and Rachel that we think we've probably been in 40 years of marriage to at least five, maybe six or seven marriage seminars. And friends of ours would say... Why are you guys going to a marriage seminar? You know, isn't that supposed to be for people who are having trouble? So, though we're going to talk about some things in our marriage right now uh, that have that have occurred. Excuse me. Relatively speaking, we've had a great marriage. Um, if all you want is a great marriage, relatively speaking, it's. I don't think it's that hard to do. But the standard isn't those people who are around you. The standard is the word of God. And so because the standard is the word of God, and that's what we, what we are holding ourselves to, um, the target might seem like it gets a little bit smaller to hit <laughs> than, than to just live to the standard of the world. So I, I always say to, to Lori, I, you know, I love, the, I love the Dan Seaborn cruise. I love the, every, every seminar we've been to, but I've always realized that at least at some point there's going to be a moment of pain uh, where you're going to be faced with uh, something that you might not be doing right.
1: Not physical pain. No,
2: no, <laughs> no. Uh, where you're going to have to say, oh, I have fallen short there. And, and you know how it is. You, the flesh doesn't want to admit that it's wrong, right, that you did something wrong. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'll wait till they say they're sorry or something, something like that. Um, but, but there's always this moment of pain, I feel. But when you get over that, it's awesome because you've grown and you've grown closer. So, what does Dan say? He says on a great night of fun and games and skits. I want to challenge you all with something. I want you to ask each other, How can I love you more effectively? And man, he said that. And I'm like, Oh, Dan, come on, man. What, what are you doing? I mean, we're getting all philosophical here. And, and honestly, my mind started going like crazy, like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know what my answer would be. And, oh, no, what, I don't know what her answer is going to be, you know. <laughs> is it going to be something I can even do? So what happens? We don't even ask each other for at least a day. Like, maybe they didn't hear it. <laughs>
1: It's a great question to just take the time to ask one another. For me, I didn't have to think about it. I knew right away. (laughs) It's true. Um, See?
2: A moment of hurt. No.
1: It wasn't a bad thing. It was just something that we could improve on. And I had things that I needed to improve on, too. And you didn't have to think that long about it, I don't think? No. No. See? So... (laughs) So you know, I'm going to challenge y'all to ask each other that, and you might be surprised, and you might not be surprised. you might be like, "Oh yeah, okay, yep, I can see, I can see that. So:
2: So we oh, what, let's, oh, did you want Did you want Oh, I'm sorry, there's a question.:
1: How, how can I love you more effectively? Oh. So think on that. Think on that on the car ride home. Ask each other, don't wait for another day.
2: <laughs> so it came to the siesta after lunch on the ship, and we were laying down on the bed with the big door open with the waves crashing on the side of the ship. That we just finally decided to say, Okay, we better talk about this. And so I said, Lori, how can I love you more effectively?
1: You did. Am I supposed to answer? Yeah. Oh.
2: <laughs> they want to know the answer. Okay.
1: Kindness.
2: She said, "Talk, talk to me more kindly." Yes. And uh, and I thought to myself, "Oh, I haven't been mean. I don't think." Um, and so um, we here is the issue. That was an awesome answer from her, but I will tell you what things had been creeping into our marriage very slowly. And the humor was gone. We weren't able to really joke with each other anymore. I consciously had told myself about a year before we ever went on this cruise, do not joke with her at all anymore because it it was being taken personal because some of my joking had jabs in them that had little bits of, of, uh, of sincerity to them, and I was wounding her. Um, now, did I did I realize that I was doing that? I wasn't saying I'm going to say this just so I can jabber. No, I didn't. It was just slipping in, and um, so.
1: So a hurt heart has a heart. It starts closing off and doesn't want to respond, or you know, mm-hmm. gets overly sensitive.
2: I'm yeah. Sweat. So then it came down to really me starting to say, gosh, we're just really kind of button heads a little bit about just about anything that we talk about. So what did I do? I did the old replacement, and you're like, well, what's that? Well, guys, you know you can talk to other guys about anything, and they're not going to ridicule you at all. Now, don't get me wrong. I wasn't talking about our marriage with other guys, but I could talk about anything with other guys and um, and, I, and I wouldn't get any pushback. We would just talk about stuff. We would laugh about stuff. And it became the path of least resistance. But what I was doing was I was literally starting to replace my wife with guy friends. And it's a very dangerous place to be. And I had actually – that I did consciously do. Uh, I just started thinking, look, I, I don't want to have um, – Conflict in my in my family, in my in my marriage, in our marriage relationship. So I just draw back a little bit. What's that's what the enemy always wants us to do is draw back and separate out. And the one of the enemy's biggest trips is to divide and conquer. So, um, so when Lori asked, said said to me, "How can I love you more effectively?" Uh, I don't know know if I really know the exact answer, but when she said to me, talk to me more kindly, I said, this is a moment of honesty. I don't like talking to you at all. Now imagine that. We're on a great cruise with Dan Seaborn, and I'm telling my wife, right now, I don't like talking to you at all because it seems like you take everything serious because I was poking at her and didn't realize it. Uh, and it seems like there's always some kind of conflict uh, when we start talking. And 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 it became a time of of us being extremely honest with each other, um, and, and and a moment of saying, I'm not. I'm, we're not going to say anything to each other to hurt each other right now, because you know hurting people hurt people, and that's that's not a that's not a work through in a marriage. So um, we ended up kind of breaking down our marriage and saying, um, I'm sorry that I've talked to you like that. You're right. There was some truth in that poking at you and joking around, and I'm sorry. It was wrong. And we went right down the line on things, and And Lori said to me at one point, <laughs> just out of the blue, why is, why is your love language, I wonder why your love language is touch. And... Um, and I don't know what it is. To this day, if I'm laying in bed and she's out of bed and goes by and just hits my foot, I don't know what it is. I can't tell you. It just, it's just an awesome feeling that, that uh, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. And I said to her, and she said that to me, and I said, well, I always longed, and it kind of went back to my childhood. Isn't that weird how something in your childhood can start coming up 10, 15, 20, and 30 years later? Because that's exactly what was going on. And I said, well, I longed for my mom to touch me. And I came from a, a, a somewhat abusive household uh, and, um, and uh, was actually told at one point uh, that, that, uh, that uh, it was better that I wouldn't have been born. Uh, which is a hard thing to take at just four years old, but I remember it to this day. Now, I want to say uh, about my mom who said that, awesome woman, big heart change over the many, many years since that was said, and, uh, and I have, we have talked about this specifically even in our, uh, in, our, in our time together that I could totally, totally forgive her for everything that ever happened back then, but look at what it was still doing. It was still affecting me some in some way, shape, or form. And, um, and, and come to find out, I think that that's a part of the reason why I have that love language of, of touch, just wanting that touch, that, that um, uh, I don't know what it is about that. I have to read that book again. <laughs> <laughs> so we just went through things line by line with communication. And as we laid there, we prayed. And we are laying there. We are both We both had, I mean, it was over an hour. Just both had tears in our eyes at one point or another, being brutally honest. And Lori, she was on the left at the time, but she, she puts up her hand like this, high five. We're laying on our backs, and I put up my hand, and she goes, boom, fresh start. (laughs)
1: <laughs> do over
2: <laughs> and I laughed because that was, that was actually a line in a movie that I had seen uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, then they, and then it got into a mess in the movie and like two seconds later they were like bam fresh start somehow or another that happened to us too <laughs> because we got into a little more discussion and it was, and it was a little bit hurtful boom fresh start <laughs> And, and as trivial as it may sound in the way I'm explaining it right now, it was a huge, pivotal time in our marriage that we have never turned away or turned back from. We've always gone that course from there on out uh, of being honest uh, with each other, of not being hurtful with our words, um, and, and not letting uh, a wedge be pounded between us uh, from the enemy.
1: Yeah, and I would just... Um you know just take a look it's so easy we were going on for years without dealing with these things they were subtle I mean he made that decision to um, uh, go to a friend instead of me and these decisions that was never spoken out loud I became aware of it Um, but just check yourselves if you're doing something that you really you got to talk it over because these things, I, I kind of see that, as you hear people talk about sweeping things under the rug, you're not dealing with them. Um, they're happening, and it's not a healthy place or direction for the marriage to be going. But, um, boy, sometimes you just got to take a deep look and talk it through.
2: Yep. And, so. and, I, and, and listen, I was, we were, I was just sharing that... Um, for me, sometimes, you know, the Bible tells us to be imitators of Christ, and, and sometimes we just need to be imitators in whatever we're doing. And I had to start to say, you are my best friend. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. For a minute, I was just saying it. We had grown. I felt like we had grown so far apart.
1: And when he said that, I was kind of like... Well, you're not really my best friend, so. Yeah. Uh, we had to get through that. But and I kept have.
2: saying it. You you are my best friend, <laughs> yeah. and today it is a hundred percent true. Yeah. Uh, we just kept working in that direction, and so so sometimes you're you're imitating, <laughs> but when you imitate, even if you are imitators of Christ, eventually you will become Christ like. Um, so so here's here's a couple of real quick. Uh, Ways that we said that we were going to go ahead and, uh, and, and make each other important. And this is, a, this is something that's really come about today, right? Phones are cell phones. So the person that you are with, whether it's her and me or, or, or whoever that we are with, they are the most important person in the room. Uh, not your cell phone, not texting, uh, not answering the phone when someone else calls, so so that's 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 the way that's the way we we live, although I'm going to tell you just last week, I violated this, and we went on a date, and someone called, and I answered It was my brother, and i didn't know if it was i didn't know what it was, but um, I started talking and talked and talked and talked and talked while she sat at the table eating her food, and I always despised that seeing. Uh, a dad with one of their children at a table in a restaurant at breakfast on their cell phone, on their cell phone, on their cell phone while their kids are eating and doing their own thing. When you have all this time face-to-face to spend to get to know each other better, to, to talk and, and to have fellowship, but yet you're out with somebody else who's not even here with you. So, for, for and, and man, believe me, I realized what I was doing about a minute into this. Uh, that I was violating one of our rules, so... Uh, um, so that's one of our that 's one of our deals is that the person who's with you is is the most important most most important person in the room, and we don't want to have distractions from face to face time
1: I wanted to add our perspective too because we've we've lived in a time where there weren't cell phones and there was just a single phone in the home and you know, a few years later, we had a really long cord on that phone. <laughs> you know, the, just make the cord longer. Um, and even back when there wasn't even an answering machine, um, to what we see now is that we all have our phones on us and we're always available for someone else other than the one we're sitting with. Um, so it's we've been able to see that perspective where there's others in the room who have always had a cell phone and always, always experienced that. Um So it's kind of interesting to see all that, but you do have to make choices and say, okay, I have the cell phone on me, but I don't have to even look at it when I'm with him on a date. Um, I can leave it in the car, or um, as our daughter and son-in-law, they have, I think, zone, how do you call it? No phone zone times, and so they just... No phones now, this is us time. And I think that's really healthy and really balanced. So, good job.
2: <laughs> so, we are going to uh, finish up so that we can, um, we can break. Um, you want to go?
1: Oh, joy in the journey. We're on this journey together. You know, we're all just doing life together, and um, it's a journey. Uh, none of us have arrived it's just an everyday journey one day after the other and we're just going to encourage you to find joy in the journey make time for each other make time for fun and laughter because life can be so serious and things come up and that's the way it is but don't forget to have fun along the way
2: absolutely S- so, when we stop being thankful for our spouse, we start becoming critical of them and um, listen, I pray just about every day uh, to our awesome Father in heaven my thankfulness for um, giving me such an awesome wife and um, and did I like, like I said before, did I always feel that way? did I always pray that way no uh, and um, but I tell you what from the bottom of my heart um, she is my best friend, and um, and I am so absolutely thankful to be able to do life with her. We've just shared one little situation uh, with our with our son in the battle. Uh, I couldn't have had a better person uh, to, to walk through that battle with than Lori. Uh, but the enemy's always trying to get in between us, isn't he? I mean, I just think back of, of Dan Seaborn preaching uh, a couple of weeks ago here that said that he was at a marriage conference down in Orlando, Florida, and he just felt like he should say to folks, hey, y'all are marriage counselors, uh, do any of you uh, have a need for prayer? And 60% of those Christian counselors stood up and needed prayer uh, because they spent so much time working on other people's marriages and families that they felt like they were neglecting their own. Look, at, look how the enemy tries to get in there. What's he want to do? He wants to destroy the heads of a household because when they're scattered, so is the rest of the family, or come in and, and, um, and attack the, the heads of a church so that people lose faith and lose hope that, oh, my goodness, if they couldn't make it, how are we going to make it? I've heard people say that before. And, um, and so we have to be vigilant uh, and know that there, there is an adversary out there in our marriages that wants to tear us apart. We have to work at this. I used to hate it when people would say, marriage is work. I don't know why I hated that, because I felt I guess I had to work. Uh, why can't this thing just happen? It does not just happen. What just happens is a divorce uh, because we don't work, at, or, or, or a broken marriage, because we don't work at it. Uh, man, it's important, so important to be in the Word of God, to believe that Word of God, to believe that that Word of God is real and it's true, and it's for your marriage, it's for your family, and it's for you. Mm-hmm. Amen?
1: Amen. Yep. Yep. Count your blessings and be appreciative of each other. We love you guys.
3: Oh, all right. Thank you, so Thank you guys. Come on, can you guys give it up for him one more time? Wow. I like how they said, I like how they said, have laughter. I feel like this is an appropriate moment for at least two jokes. <laughs> oh, no, Did I you guys <laughs> hear about the fire in the shoe factory? Hundreds of souls were lost. The fire spread <laughs> to the campground that was next door. Let me tell you. It was intense. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I like jokes. I'm a dad joke guy. I'll keep going, but, uh, but I won't. Uh, a, couple, a couple of quick things for you guys. Uh, if you have children in nursery and res kids in a minute I'm going to dismiss. You're going to have to go down there and and uh, and get the kids. Get those chillins before they load them up with lattes or whatever. Uh, but we want to allow you to hang out here. There's some more snacks in the back. But we do want to let you know a couple dates of some stuff going on. First, next month, December 1, Wednesday, December 1, we have our next married life. Daniel and Amanda will be teaching, bringing a word. It's going to be awesome. We'll also be doing our giveaway at that married life so don't forget to go online and sign up for that you've uh, you've if you filled out your uh, sheet in the middle with your name and stuff you are uh, entered into that already so that's sweet and then uh we have a camping trip are there any camping people in the house come on (laughs) we go camping uh as a ministry we go camping every year we've been uh, at one campground but this year we're just
0: to clarify most people rent campers. Oh, we glamp, we camp in tents.
3: Yes, we we glamp hint, fully. Tent,
0: giving you uh, ideas. Yeah, you can rent a
3: camper. We're going up to a campground called Dunes Harbor. It's up um, by Silver Lake. If yeah. you know Silver Lake, that's right by Lake Michigan. It's up there. the The dates are August 10th through the 15th. August 10th through the 15th. If you want more information, check out our Facebook page or talk to Nikki in the back; she'll have all that. Uh, but but save the date, get signed up. We're going to be rolling that sign up out here in the next probably week. It'll be all fully out. But August 10th through the 15th, we want all of you to be there. Bring your kids, bring yeah. people, bring yeah. your dog. I don't know. I think we'll maybe bring. Well, a dog. and we
0: got 25 campsites reserved. Um, It's a Christian campground. It's really beautiful, and you can hike right to Lake Michigan through the dunes and the woods. It's beautiful, horseback riding, but we have 25 sites, so it's kind of like once those— So just get your name on it. You can literally cancel the week before, so don't feel that it's— yep.
3: And then one last thing before I pray for us all. If there is something that you need prayer for, Rachel and I will be up here. We would love to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer for. But if you would all, would you stand up? We're, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get going. So, Father, we just thank you for this time. Father, we thank you for marriage and that you, uh, that you made marriage intentionally. Father, we submit to you. We ask you to continue to open up our hearts more and more towards you, but also our spouse. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, hang out. We'd love to have you hang out. But if you got kids, go get them and then come back in here and we'll hang out.